0: It's not gonna be hard for me at all. We're gonna adjust. God, Lord's good. We love you. We can't wait. A F- lot more extra cooking, mom. That's all. No, it's kidding. <laughs> no, I think I'll be doing the extra cooking. <laughs> but uh, hey, it's a uh, great to see you guys. And if you could turn to First Peter chapter three, and the name of this message is, even though the verse I'm gonna look at first is gonna talk about baptism, the message isn't really on baptism. Uh, for those of you being baptized, you know, I'll have a brief little thing on baptism up there. Uh, many of you have heard the Believer's Baptism tape, you know, that we put out some time ago. Uh, man, Sergio, you kept your word. You are here, bro. Praise God. You know, so uh, that message, I don't know if you're able to locate that online. It was called Believer's Baptism. Some of you were able to re- uh But that's... that's a really good message on the subject matter. But I want to kick off with a, a passage on it. Even though I'm not really talking about baptism, although baptism comes up, I want to talk, do a message that's called Just Like the Days of Noah. Just Like the Days of Noah. Because Jesus said that when the end times would come, it would be like it was in the days of Lot. You remember when just sexual perversion, homosexuality sexuality and everything was rampant, trying to be shoved down the throat of Lot and his family, uh, and so forth. I mean, literally brought to his doorstep, you know. Uh, and it'll also be, like Jesus said, the days of Noah. And those were crazy days. And we need to be aware of what the Bible says about the end times. And in First Peter chapter 3, we read, For Christ also died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. Hmm, what's going on there? Who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of what? In the days of Noah. During the construction of the ark, in which few, that is eight persons, were brought to safety through the water. He specifically went to spirits. Uh, He did a lot of things. When he died on the cross, he paid for all of our sins. But it says he descended to the lower parts of the earth. And he preached. It doesn't say preach the gospel right here. It says the word means to announce something. And I believe he's announcing his victory over death because Satan tried to stop God's plan to bring redemption to the world. You remember in Genesis, the first few chapters, that the Lord said that, you know, Satan would bruise the heel of the Messiah, the seed of the woman. But the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. So ever since that time, Satan was trying to stop the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. And there's all kinds of things he tried that didn't work. Even when Jesus was born, they tried to kill him. Remember that, Herod, right? Revelation 12, he, uh, talks about when the Son of Man came to the earth, it talks about how Satan tried to destroy him there too, but God caught him up to heaven ultimately. So uh, his, one of his plans was to exterminate humanity, right, by making him totally and absolutely corrupt. Therefore, there was no seed that could come through them being the Messiah. And the spirits that were in prison here, I believe were the benign Elohim, as they're called in Scripture, the fallen angels, because it says they were specifically spirits that were disobedient at that time. Why? Why would it be that time? Well, it's something that's very interesting happening here. Although I'm not one that believes that angels took human bodies necessarily and had sex with women. Some believe that, many believe that, and I understand, I respect that belief. And we don't argue or debate, I should say, in a divisive way over issues like that. They're not salvific issues. But it's interesting to think, okay, what was going on there? But I do believe people were possessed by it, just like today, especially the rich and famous and powerful and elitist with the drug trafficking and the Epsteins and the Weinsteins of the world being used by demons and sex trafficking, all that stuff that's going on. But it's interesting. These were the spirits, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit later. He's announcing his victory that they could not accomplish what they tried to and he paid for the sins of humanity then he would rise again from the dead and we read in verse 20 they were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting the days of Noah keep in mind God just didn't flippantly say hey I'm going to flood the earth you know I'm just done with you guys he was patient says right here the patience of God the long-suffering of God in the days of Noah and we're we're told during the construction of the ark in which a few that is eight persons were brought safely through the water that would be Noah and his wife Shemham and Japheth his three sons their three wives eight were brought safely through the water through the water now it's interesting the ark its shape when you look at the dimensions was not like this really beautiful luxury liner the shape the dimensions are like a huge casket it's interesting just when you la- you look at it, it's like a huge casket, which is fitting, because guess what? The whole ark, and it, and God saving Noah, his family, the different species of animals, you know, uh, and so forth. It was a picture of Christ, and the submersion. It says the ark went through the water, you know. Can you imagine? As it's all this upheaval, and it came back up, you know. That's a picture of Christ's death, burial resurrection. And then in spring, and many put the date right at the resurrection of Christ, it rested on Mount Ararat. And there Noah went out, and what did he let go that came back? With an olive branch, a dove. Which is interesting because on Noah it rested and Jesus, when he came up out of the water, what came upon him? The Holy Spirit like a what? A dove. And both were about new life. There's a whole picture, whole typology here. I'm going to a little touch on the typology here and there. We love typology here. Uh, Noah is a picture of Christ. The ark's a picture of Christ. Uh, those who identified with Noah and responded to his preaching were saved. Those who identify with Jesus are saved from the wrath to come, amen, through his death, burial, and resurrection. So it's interesting because it says in verse 21, corresponding corresponding to that baptism now saves you not the removal of dirt from the flesh but the appeal to god for a good conscience through the resurrection of jesus christ so some will use it to say, oh yeah we're saved through baptism no you're saved by grace through faith amen and he, he specifically says it doesn't save you through the washing of the wa- dirt through the washing of away of dirt by the water okay that's not what's going on there it's not like the the baptismal waters save you but you're saved by grace through faith And he talks about the answer of a good conscience towards god That's a reference to our faith. But we're not saved at the moment of baptism. When do we have an answer of good conscience toward God? When we come to faith in Christ, amen? That's when you first have it. And the Bible uh, describes salvation as something that has happened. We've been saved, past tense. That means even before our baptism, if we were to die, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. He pronounced over and over again, Jesus pronounced people saved, justified, forgiven, Sometimes it's a grin of the, the, the church leaders, or I'm sorry, the Pharisees and the Sadducees who would come to faith in Messiah, right? He'd forgive them. Your sins are forgiven. How can you forgive sins? They weren't baptized when he forgave them. He gave them, we just went through the uh, parable of, well, no, the, you know, Jesus' teaching of the two men that went into the temple to pray, right, the Pharisee, and it was the guy that beat his chest and said, have mercy on me, God, I'm a sinner. He left what? Justified, right, with God prior to baptism. Cornelius received the Holy Spirit, Amen. And wasn't even speaking in tongues prior to me baptism ties just hearing the gospel. The thief on the cross that came to Jesus was never baptized. Amen. So if you're teaching you've got to be baptized to be saved, you're damned. You're contradicting a whole bunch of different scriptures. However, sometimes salvific language is tied into baptism because guess what? The process of salvation, we're saved by grace through faith. But baptism is a picture of what God does in our salvation through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And when you're baptized, you enter into that salvific picture, even though you have genuinely been saved the moment you come to faith in Christ. Are you with me? Amen. And it's not the washing of the uh, way of the dirt by the water, he says. Okay, it's an answer of good conscience towards God, and that happens prior to baptism. And baptism just continues that. You, you just, it shows you're continuing in the faith that saves you. But it's interesting, he uses Noah and the ark as an incredible picture of our salvation. Amen? Which is powerful. Now take your Bibles, please, and go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Are you ready to get in the Word together today? How many of you love the Lord's Day? You know, I had a brother come up to me. He was newer to the fellowship. And, you know, it's not super new, but been here for a little bit now. But he was like excited about his baptism, Michael, you know. And he was in the front row or second row. And he came up. He goes, man, I never thought I'd be excited to come to church, you know. He goes, I look forward to coming to church. I think, Peggy, that happened to you when you first started coming. to When Blessed Hope just started, it was new. I think I was like 17 years old, pastor. Now I was like 23 or 24. I don't know how old. 26, 7. I don't know how old. We were young. And uh, she start, she's coming, and she's like, wow. She's meeting all these believers that love Jesus and it's getting, we're getting the word and she's like, wow, when you first got saved and you stopped doing drugs and everything and I thought you'd get up early Sunday morning and she knows back in those days I didn't get up early. I partied and stuff and, you know, and she goes, and, and I think, oh, poor Joey has to go to church now. She had no idea, you know, and I, what a good time we were having because, man, there, we have peace, love, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, 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 we, and we seek the Lord. We follow him and and it's exciting, and the word of God's exciting, and fellowshipping one another, growing with one another, amen? And we're family. And, and then she came, she goes, wow, this is what it's like, you know? Amen? So praise God. Peggy, you're just, you might find your that wasn't planned, and you might find yourself three times this message because you're on my mind a bit, but we love you. Uh, anyway, I'll try to keep all the stories good, okay? B, uh, AD, or not BC stories. Uh, Anyway, that was an algamation of both. But the Lord is awesome, man. And, and in Luke 17, Jesus tells us when the end would come, it would be like the days of Noah. And we need to pay attention here because we're in strange times right now. Because Jesus said lawlessness would increase and we're seeing lawlessness all over. What just happened, I was reported with Antifa in the Bay Area yesterday. Was that yesterday or the day before, man? Just, you know, brutal stuff going on. And it's all over the nation right now in different parts of the world. And, and Jesus said in the last days there would be pestilences, you know. Diseases would break out and so forth. Well, we're dealing with corona, uh, COVID, which is nothing compared to what's going on right now, you know. Nothing like that. What's gonna, it's going to get worse. But there's the birth pains. They get stronger and closer and closer together. That's what birth pains do. And we're seeing a lot of different things go on. But in Luke chapter 17, verse 22. Luke 17, verse 22 and he, that is Jesus said to his disciple, or the disciples, the days will come when you long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. You're going to long to see one of the days of the Son of Man when he's gone, and you're not going to see it. It's like, oh man, he's coming. It's going to any moment. And it's not going to happen that way. And right now, that's where the, a lot of the church is. He's going to come. And they're expecting a pre-trib rapture. We don't have to go through trials and tribulation like the apostles did. We're the king's kid, man. A lot of people that are in the prosperity movement Name it, claim it. God doesn't want us to go through trials. Of course he wouldn't want us to go through the tribulation period. We're just going to get out of here before we have to go through You know, almost all the apostles were martyred, guys. Jesus said in the world you will have tribulation. But be good, good cheer, I have overcome the world. And in Matthew chapter 24, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, four of the apostles, Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, stand in the holy place, flee, <laughs> right? In other words, if it happens, it's in your lifetime, you're gonna have to take off. He didn't say, there's no place anywhere where it says you'll be taken out early. In fact, here, Jesus warns, you're gonna think you're gonna see the day when day, gets to man, it's not gonna happen like that. They will say to you, look there, look here. Do not go away. It says, do not go away and do not run after them. Like in Luke, Matthew twenty four, he says, They'll say he's in the desert place or he's in the secret rooms or whatever. No, it's not gonna happen like that. It's not gonna be a secret coming. It's not gonna be something out in the wilderness. It'll be like this, verse twenty four. Jesus says, For just like the lightning when it flashes out of one part of the sky and shines to the other part of the sky, so will the so will the Son of Man be in his day. In other words, it's not going to be a secret coming. It's gonna be something that's very visible. Like lightning shining from the east to the west. Amen. Jesus says that uh, behold he comes with the clouds and every eye. Revelation 1 said behold he comes with the clouds and every eye shall see him. Amen. It's not going to be a secret coming. It's going to be very visible. But they're going to think hey it's going to be a little bit different than lightning shining from the east to the west. Or it may be the secret chambers. Or, or it could, it's going to. They're looking for the one of the days of the Son of Man. It's not going to happen like that. And then he says it's going to be an obvious coming. But first. He must suffer many things. This is before he died for our sins. So he's talked about the crucifixion here, or, or alluded to it. And be rejected by this generation. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. Just like it happened in well, whose days? The days of Noah. It will be just like that in the days of the Son of Man. Brothers and sisters, you need to really focus and realize You know what? I can't just kind of think of my own world and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to shower my own life. I need to think about what God says about the times and where I fit in, and I need to have my attention on the Lord. They were eating, and they were drinking, and they were marrying, and they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. You know what blows me away about this? When we think of the days of Noah, we think of all the horrendous things that happened, and many did. So we can go back to the days of Noah and draw a line and say what was happening the days of Noah because Jesus says would be like the days of Noah. But he gives a few things that were happening here and I think it's kind of interesting. What he points out here is the normalcy that some things were quite normal. Eating and drinking. Marrying. Being given in marriage. Building. Oh, it's like in Matthew 24 when he talks about the end times he gives this similar list. They're building. In other words don't think the Messiah is going to come when it looks like the whole earth has been scorched by nuclear bombs. Some people say, oh, we can't be in the end times because everybody's not wiped out yet. No, that's not how it is. There'll be getting married. There'll be weddings, you know. Uh, there'll be people, there'll be big building projects. There's a lot of rebuilding projects probably too, because there will be a lot of chaos, a lot of violence and so forth. But he wants us to understand there'll be people deceived and thinking, no, this can't be the end. And then it's be too late because they didn't repent. That means we need to watch the signs, amen, that he gives us, amen. This is very, very important. Verse 28, it was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be what? Just the same on the day that Son of Man is revealed. Now, by the way, does it say God took Lot out seven years earlier? So we wouldn't have to experience, you know, persecution and, you know. No. On the same day that God took Lot out, bam, total destruction. And Jesus says it's going to be the same way right after he says it happened on the same day when the Son of Man comes at the end of the tribulation period, okay? That's, these are the clearest. These scriptures are very, very clear, okay? It's not a secret coming. It's not like, oh, they're going to think of a one of these. It's not going to happen like that. And that's why he warned that we're not to be deceived by false Christ, false prophets, because people are going to be sad because oh, I thought we were going to be raptured before we had this time. Then I was a false Christ, and false prophets Say, oh yeah, sign up for this eschatology. No, you want to make sure you know the Scripture so you're not putting a tailspin, looking for a false Christ or false prophet, or looking at the new apostolic reformation to, who claim to be apostles and many of them put their writings on par with Scripture or above Scripture, and all of a sudden you get deceived by these guys. No, you need to know the Word of God now. Amen. And you need to realize what the Word says so you're not shocked that you go through hard times, that things may get rough in our lifetime. Amen? And I say may because we don't know exactly when the end is. Jesus was preparing them 2,000 years ago. Amen? So I'm definitely going to prepare my brothers and sisters now. Amen? And if, we're not, and if it doesn't happen in our lifetime, guess what? Then our grandchildren are prepared. And their children. We need to preach the Word of God. So, on the same day, Or it will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed, verse 30. Verse 31, on that day, the one who is on the housetop and whose goods are in the house must not go down and take them out. And likewise, the one who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. And the problem with Lot's wife is she wanted to keep her old life. She didn't want to be able to say, hey, you know what? I need to do what the Lord wants me to do. She was infatuated with the system of Sodom and Gomorrah, which the scriptures tell us it wasn't just homosexuality. It was greed. It was laziness. It was, they, had a, it was a, they were very affluent, you know, kind of like the Bay Area. It's kind of interesting. And she didn't want to leave it. And we want to make sure that we're ready, that we if you save your life, you'll lose it, Jesus said. If you lose it, you'll save it. If you save your life and say, it's my life, I'm my own God, well, then you, you're not going to be able to save yourself you're doomed. But if you lose your life and you lean on Jesus and put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you'll be saved, amen? So this is very, very important. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, because I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 6. And we'll be looking at the, uh, what happened in the days of Noah a little bit more specifically because Jesus said it will be like it was in the days of Noah. And there's so many things that happened in the days of Noah that Jesus didn't bring up in those verses. But he brings up elsewhere in the Olivet Discourse and in the book of Revelation and, and in through the prophets and the apostles. So I think it's very, very important. Now, Second Peter, and you're, you're good to be in Genesis chapter 6. I just want to reference Second Peter 2.5 says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Okay. And when it says God was patient in the days of Noah, it says he was also a preacher of, a, of, of righteousness. Okay. And I believe he showed by his example what it meant to be righteous. But he preached, and the word means to enunciate with your mouth. They also shared the word of God with people. That judgment was coming. And at that time there had been no rain on the earth. If you read Genesis, he, he, he used a dew to water the earth. And water came up from under the ground. Fountains, and it was just Edenic at first before, at, before the first human sinned, And then their corruption filled the earth. But he was still watering the earth through a dew and so forth. But there comes a point where uh, now there's going to be rain. Can you imagine this guy saying, hey, rain, water is going to fall from the sky. We need to get right. Well, why are you building this thing, Noah? Whoa. And you know what? It says for 120 years. Now, folks lived longer then because the conditions were different and more favorable toward human life and the lifespans were longer. But he was building for 120 years and people must have first just been curious what's going on. And as they him and then his sons continued to build, he was preaching righteousness. And they must have thought, he's just, you know, what a joke Noah is, man. It's gonna, water's going to fall from the sky, you know. Yeah, right. And... They mocked, we know they were sco- they were scoffers then, and so forth, and they ended up getting all wet literally and so forth. But look at Genesis chapter six, verse one. Now it came about when men began to what? Multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them. There was a population explosion before Noah built the ark. Because God calls him to build an ark and then he builds for 120 years. And it's interesting that there's a population explosion. If you go back 120 years from now, you hit the year 1900, right? Easy math. You know how many people were on the earth in 1900 about? About a billion, between one and two billion people. The estimates that I've read. And I've looked at some of the you know, almanacs and type, type through the years, and I just did it again. And wow, not that, I mean, that's crazy because there has been this incredible, and it's talked about when you talk about, you know, world growth in the last 120 years, there's been this phenomenal growth, this population explosion in our world. 7.7 or more people, 7.7 billion people now on the earth from about 1 billion two one to two not not over two but between one and two in the year 1900 talk about population growth and the the guesstimations that were that in noah's day there may have been a a, a one or more billion people because you had environment an environment that was more conducive of growth god had created the earth to be inhabited and that the fall was just nearly in the rearview mirror right and p- lifespans, when you go back to Genesis, were longer so you could produce more children. So there were probably over... Many, many guesstimate there were over a billion people or more, maybe in the billions, before the flood. Quite amazing. So you have a population explosion. That's a very interesting parallel to today, isn't it? I think that's fascinating. Now, there only a couple drawbacks about being outside. We'll be in there in a little bit. But it's kind of a bummer if we just moved in when the weather's starting to get a lot nicer, you know? Anyway... Uh, but we'll be getting in there pretty soon. This would be great if it was raining today. <laughs> now that I think about it, <laughs> just like when you preach on hell, you want a really hot day and the air conditioners to break so people really get the message, you know. So, but uh, it's interesting. There was also rampant sexual perversion. Ah, oh, is that happening today? Yeah. I mean, we're not in the 1950s anymore, guys the 60s sex revolution man everything's changed not just in our country but around most of the world so in chapter 6 verse 2 it says that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves whomever they chose you know and some you know some believe and there's different views on this this is the sons of Seth versus the sons of Cain you know and as though just being a son of Seth would make you a child of God that's not true okay you know. Your children and grandchildren, -grandchildren, great-grandchildren, they're just not all children of God, you know. It's a choice. And it's interesting. Uh, And and I've looked at both sides of this debate, and I have kind of a middle kind of view. I do believe the sons of God refers to the angelic host right there. Septuagint, one of the Septuagint translations, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, has angelos there. So many of them obviously believe that it's referring to angels there. But it talks about the sons of God had relations with the daughters of men as though this was a horrific thing so i don't think it's just intermarriage between believers and non-believers uh although i could be wrong on this because these you know i believe the weight of evidence and i have to go where i believe the weight of evidence goes in scripture and preach according to my conscience so i believe the term sons of god there and then when you look at the context and then you look especially at the new testament commentary on this situation it makes it in my opinion, pretty clear what's going on here. Sons of God is the Hebrew term, benai Elohim, okay? It's a technical term only used a handful of times in the entire New Testament. I'm sorry, Old Testament. It's used like six times, you know, five, six times, and you have it right here. But every other time you see it used, you see it used, guess who it's referring to? Every other time. That specific term, benai Elohim, benai son of Elohim God. Benai Elohim, it's used over and over again, in the book of Job, and it's used in Daniel, right? Where he sees one, he sees it, you know, in the fire where he sees one like Benai Elohim. But in Job, when he see, talks about the Benai Elohim, who's he referring to? It's very clear as well. It's angels. Job 38, 4 through 7. When the morning stars, when God created the earth, right? It says the morning stars sang together and that Benaiah Elohim shouted for joy. Well, regular human beings weren't shouting for joy when God created the earth. We didn't exist yet. Adam didn't exist yet, right? So that term, Bani Elohim, refers to angelic hosts. And it talks about the sons of God having relationships with the daughters of men. Now, there's all kinds of things all over the Internet about, you know, you know angels becoming. Because angels in the Bible do take on physical male bodies. We do see that throughout Scripture. Although I don't believe it necessarily has to happen that way. Because I believe there's all kinds of rampant Bani Elohim promoting all kinds of sexual perversion right now as we speak. I, I believe when you look at Epstein, when you look at Weinstein, when you look at the massive problem we have with sex trafficking right here in our country, you're talking about the demons are called the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. They are ruling the darkness of the world. Okay, When you look at what's called sex magic, and you have people like Crowley, and he's very popular among the elitists Okay, practicing sex magic. And sex with demons, what they call incubuses and succubuses, and and where they enhance their sexual experiences and through possession and what they call sex magic and so forth. We're seeing the crazy things go on today that were not going on around the world until recent times with people that are into the occult, into you know we showed Abramovich right and tied into the Clinton Clinton's uh, campaign and so forth and uh, the Podesta brothers and so forth. We did show a whole video on that. Uh, where she doesn't write a, to John specifically, but to his brother, invite him to a spirit cooking dinner. And we show what spirit cooking was. But she says, invite your brother John as though they knew what it was. And it has to do with making wafers to mock Christianity because we show her recipe and we show it comes right out of Crowley's teaching to make communion wafers or cakes called cakes of light, you know, uh, which Crowley calls for even the blood of sacrificed children. This is, this is real. You can go look, I, I document the whole thing. Okay, and I'm not saying she was doing exactly that, but she shows 666, and she's putting all the stuff on the walls in one of her videos, and she has the effigy of a child. She throws blood on. She says oh, it was pig's blood. There's wicked stuff going on. And Podesta was uh, Clinton's uh, campaign manager, right? So the John Podesta, that is, and he was just invited through his brother. She was trying to invite him. But you guys, these are people in high places. Okay and we want it we, sometimes like, oh, we, we want to explain this way because we don't want this to be real put my head in the sand see no here, evil here no evil stuff's real guys I mean I was just listening to part of the town hall I couldn't stomach much of it with Biden and he's talking about having an 8 year old little boy and how good it is that this person wants to change their sex I have a grandchild about 8 years old named Eli and he changed his mind on what socks he wants to wear shoes by the second you know and I'm going to say, oh, yeah, Chad and Holly, which they obviously would never do. Yeah, start giving him puberty-blocking deals and give him drugs and start giving him, you know, hormones and and start get, and surgically you know, have him change sexually, you know. You know how many of these kids later on uh, will regret this? You know how many people have sex changes and then commit suicide later? And you know how many parents sometimes because they're super liberal and they love to be vogue and have their kid be a little girl? And they start, don't you like this dress? Or who knows? Maybe they say you'd look great in this, and just coax them. I mean, I'm not saying that happens in every case, but a lot of cases. You know, how many of you, when you were young, you know, you like to play with dolls and might. You, and usually, you know, there's you can see a, a distinction, but people have all kinds of different feelings and stuff when they grow up, and then they begin to understand their identity and know who they are. And it's very easy to be thrown off and confused at that time. You take someone as a little kid that you confuse. Or society confuses, or society keeps saying, Isn't this great? And they, or uh, many, did any kids ever want attention? Yeah, a lot of kids want attention too. There's a lot of th- things at play here, guys. And you're talking about radically changing the way, God, fundamentally, the way God made somebody into something else. And no wonder they struggle with it and so forth, but they're told it was a great idea. So we have all kinds of, you know, sexual dysphoria. Uh, confusion with orientation, sexual perversion, sex trafficking, all these crazy things going on in our day. And it's interesting because when it says that the sons of God took for themselves wives, and the the language there talks about how there was, is, you know, actually sexual encounters with the daughters of men, uh, it's interesting. And it does say, Jesus said in heaven, you know, will be like the angels. Married couples will no longer be married will be like the angels who don't marry in heaven. Oh, they don't marry. No, it says they don't marry where? In heaven, okay? It says these guys took wives. We're talking about on the earth here. And um, we're not talking about, I'm not saying they used physical bodies and took wives, although many argue for that. I don't know exactly how it went down, but I believe it could have been something as simple as many people, because these people are fully given over to depraved minds. That's what Paul says about this era in Romans chapter one. And many of them are fully possessed by demons who are just using their bodies as like puppets and taking the women and doing all kinds of wicked things. But the reason, uh, I, the reason I lean on th- in this direction quite strongly is because here we read in Jude 1-7, listen to this, in a similar way, and you could take your Bibles there if you want, but it says, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion, They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. So he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah being given over to sexual perversion, being destroyed with fire as an example. But notice what he says when he first introduces Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction in verse 7. Listen carefully. Listen up. He says, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah did this. In a similar way to what? Sodom and Gomorrah went after the strange flesh, men with men. In a similar way to who? Well, verse 6. The verse right before it. And the angels, who did not keep their positions of authority, but b- abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound in the everlasting chains for the judgment of the great day. In a similar way, the people of Sodom did the same thing. They went after a strange flash. In a similar way to who? The angels. The indication there is just... Is In the same way Sodom and Gomorrah went after, the angels went after strange flesh because angels aren't supposed to be with human beings. Amen? And this is the days of Noah. And that makes total sense when you look at 1 Peter chapter 3 that Jesus, when he died, went and what? Announced his victory to who? The spirits that that were in prison that were disobedient in the days of Noah. A special group, and I don't mean in a good way, of wicked spirits that would have corrupted and Noah was blameless in his ways and God preserved Noah and through Noah's line ultimately would come the Messiah. Satan couldn't stop it. I know it gets a little heavy, but we like to get a little heavy, right? So, interesting stuff going on here. Now, in 2 Peter 3.3 it says, Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lust." And he goes on to talk about the days of Noah. So people would be walking away around, not concerned about Other people, their well-being, but would be lusting after them and devouring them sexually, wanting them and taking them. And have you been seeing in the news lately? Young kids being snatched in broad daylight when they're eating with their folks or whatever at at a restaurant. I've seen two of those in recent times. These people are being filled with wicked thoughts, and then they're manifesting these wicked thoughts. And it's happening more and more, especially because we have a world that we live in now where anything goes and all kinds of wickedness is promoted freely, on the internet. There's certain truths you can't point out on the internet. You found that out recently, right? But you can put all kinds of smut on the internet, you, but, but you can't report certain things that are true about certain candidates, you know? Or, very, or should at least be examined to find out if they are true. <laughs> kind of crazy days we live in. And in Revelation chapter nine, one of the things it says in the last days they won't repent of is their sexual immorality, okay? Verses 18 through 21 right there. So this is very, very important. Oh, Lord, God have mercy. Amen. I just read last night, and I read more about it this morning, how Joe Biden is pushing the Equality Act that he says he will secure in the first 100 days of his presidency if he's elected. And the Equality Act is the uh, best vehicle for ensuring equal rights uh, under the law for LGBTQ, that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer Americans and will guarantee that LGBTQ and individuals are protected under existing civil rights laws. And it reads, quote, The Biden plan to advocate LGBTQ plus equality in America and around the world. It talks, it's, it's posted on his website, right? And guess what it does? It takes the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which uh, prohibits discrimination against race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, and it adds sexual orientation and gender identity. The concern is, is it's going to affect Christians where Christian counselors will not be able to encourage people who are struggling with homosexuality to be born again and and saved so they can have a right orientation spiritually with God and overcome sexual temptation and so forth. It also is a concern that it can affect churches and Christian schools as to who they hire and fire or at least who they fire someone says, oh, well, guess what? I decided to be homosexual. And it's your worship leader or your second associate pastor because I only really want think of Steve. But the next, if you have two associate pastors, it's the next guy over, right? You know? And guess what? You know? It's like, oh, yeah, and I'm going to preach my convictions now too. Wow. I mean, there's a real concern as to where all this is going, folks. And it's going to be like it was in the days of Lot. And guess what? In the days of Lot, they shoved it down Lot's throat, you know? came to the house young and old. In other words, they got the young, and that's who they go after in this world. And they went to Lot's house and demanded that he hand the angels over to them. Isn't that interesting? Not knowing they were angels, but that's kind of an interesting twist on what happened in Genesis 6. Really interesting, fascinating. So, we need to be in prayer, guys. We can't just see this stuff go on and not be praying about it, but we also need to know it's prophesied, amen? Amen. And we need to stand our ground in Jesus and be true to him and not acquiesce and put our finger in the air and compromise with the world system that we live in. Amen. Verse 3. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days will be 120 years. So his spirit strives with man. You have to realize God is not some kind of stoic, you know, static being. God has intense feelings when we feel we're like yeah we feel but God doesn't feel the same we f- we feel yeah I think he feels way more intensely read Jeremiah read Lamentations you know it's like man his heart turns over within him in one of the prophets you know and that's language that's get us to understand this deep calling deep God's a very deep being he's perfect in all of his attributes amen but he experiences grief and he won't always strive with men in other words, he's patient for 120 years, but gives them time to repent. But there will be coming, there will be judgment. Just as he's giving people time to repent right now, he's been very patient. Sometimes we're like, Lord, how could it be so bad? He gets so he's being patient. And Peter deals with that when he talks about the flood as well in, another, in Second Peter. So it's interesting. In verse 4, it says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. And these were the mighty men uh, who were of old, men of renown. And I want to get into the signs of the times, so I don't want to get off on a tangent on the Nephilim, but I've talked about the Nephilim in one of our podcasts New talk not too long ago. done a message called The Sons of God, The Daughters of Men years ago. If you want to get more deep into this, I'll probably it, deal with them again in another podcast before too long. Then verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was what? Great on the earth. And that every intent of his, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Try to get your brain around that, guys. That's how bad it was. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, do you scratch your head sometimes and say, wow, there's so much fake news out there. And it could be obviously the sky's blue, but they're telling us that it's pink with yellow polka dots today. And every other journalist is saying that on the news. You're like, what in the world is going on, you know? I mean, there's news stories that don't fit the narrative that the mainstream, lamestream, left media wants everybody to believe, and they'll just totally ignore them, or they'll just outright ridicule them, or act like they're not true. And it's like, wow, journalism is dead for the most part in our country. And if, they, they, if you want to see if, real, if there's evil on a spiritual level, just watch the left media, mainstream media, which is crazy, it's mainstream media is left, you know? And, you know, in a lot of places, it's very spiritual because Satan influences the course of this world. He says he's a prince in the power of the air. Isn't that interesting? The spirit that works through the children of disobedience as he guides the course of this world. So it's no accident that a lot of liberals ascend to positions of power, whether it's in the media or academia, right? Politics, arts, entertainment, you know, and we absolutely, as Christians, and we preach this for years, need to be salt and light, amen? And need to, need to be a witness for Jesus Christ, not by sharing a delusion that we're going to change everything and everybody's going to become a Christian and we're going to rule the world, though. That's a lie. That it is written. We go with Jesus. We love Jesus. We love his word. And we don't rewrite the book of Revelation or pretend it's already passed, okay? We realize that our job is to reach as many souls as possible before the end comes, amen? So there would be this widespread evil in Their hearts would be, their thoughts would be evil continually. And, I mean, think about today. Do you think Noah had, in Noah's day, I don't think there was television. I don't think there were iPhones with all kinds of porn on it. I don't think there was, you know, mass media and and, and television and internet and all that stuff. There wasn't. No evidence of that. So Satan's having a field day like no other time in history. You understand that, right? Because he's constantly influencing people toward evil. We have a series I started f- a couple months back called Guarding the Gates, you know. And Guarding the Heart Gate I started. We're going to go to the Eye Gate. We're going to go to the Ear Gate. We're going to go to the Mouth Gate. We're going to go to the Foot Gate. Because it talks about these different gates that we're to protect. So I'm going to continue that series. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. But I do want to share with you. There has, it's shown that there's a correlation between violence that's shown in media and violence in society. Okay, garbage in. The Bible teaches garbage in, garbage out. Where does it teach that? It says that we're supposed to think of what? Those things that are true and beautiful and lovely and so forth. But when you're talking about rewarding, killing people, and I mean, it's interesting. Uh, there's a study show, according to the impact of media violence, uh, that, that uh, in the United States, a typical child will view more than 200,000 acts of violence including 16,000 murders on television before the age of 18. I can't get my brain around that. And even if that's uh, not a conservative number, it's it's so horrendous. Television programs display 812 acts per hour. A recent study found that 15% of music videos contain interpersonal violence. Still another modern source of violent exposures is access to the internet and video games. Of course, we know that. So... And look at verses 11 through 13 of Genesis 6. Speaking of violence. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with what? Violence. God looked on the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. During worship today, did you guys hear some strange yelling going on again? Do you remember last week when you heard the yelling up there? Remember that? My wife and I were driving here, and I asked my wife to drive me because I'm juggling things, and I'm like, I want to go through my notes. We usually drive separately, but I said I wanted some extra time to really look through my notes, and then uh, she rolls down her window because she hears yelling with her window up while we're driving, and we're pulling up to the light to turn here. And as we're going, she rolls her window down, and I hear this dude just like screaming, F you, W H O R E, F you. And it's, and it's so loud. I'm like, whoa, man, we're looking, where's that coming from? And somebody's crossing through the intersection onto the other side, coming toward us, but they're just looking straight ahead at nothing. Just a, a person that was probably demon possessed. And flipping both birds up, F you. And it was like such a strong, Deep, contorted voice, and it's a little lady. My wife goes, and I'm thinking the thought, man, she sounds just like a a man. My wife says, she sounds like a man. I go, that's exactly what I'm thinking. That's what we thought it what it was, it's just, and it's just possession, you know. And she's filled with rage and anger. And these people are everywhere, and that, and Lisa goes, that's the same lady that was going across last time. Sounds like the same lady, and uh. I go, yeah, it probably, it probably is, you know. Lord, help her. and Lord, deliver her. And you know what? We have the answer in Christ, amen. And there's people sitting here today that, you know, some of you guys run the streets. Many of you people were on drugs, right? Many of you people were living perverse lives. Many of you were filled with violence, you know. And uh, I'm some of those things from the past, you know. And we've been born again. And God gives us a new life. We have the hope of Jesus. We, we have the evidence, man, with millions and millions of changed lives of people that love Jesus, love their neighbors, want to be a blessing, amen. But the world continues to preach, do what thou wilt, shall be the whole of the law. Do your own thing. If it feels good, do it. You know? We live in horrible times, and Jesus warned that it would happen this way. He said, you'll be hearing of wars, Matthew 24, verse 6, and rumors of wars, there'd be violence. See to it that you're not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, talk about violence, and kingdom against kingdom. Wow. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you. Violence. And you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. A lot of hatred out there, man. And that time many will fall away and will betray one another and will hate one another. 21 verse and 22 now. For then they will you over to, uh, there will be great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now or ever will be. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Amen? For the sake of those who are trusting Jesus, man, he'll cut those days short before everybody is wiped out. That's good to know. Amen? Amen. Now, it's interesting. Paul said, and you're very familiar with the passage, so I won't quote the whole thing or read the whole thing, but Second Timothy 3, Paul said, the last days perilous or terrible times would come, right? Then in verse 13, he said, verse 12, he says, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Persecution. And in verse 13, he says, evil men will proceed from bad to worse. You get it? Just like when he said lawlessness would increase Jesus in Matthew 24. So that's what's going on, and that's what's happening. And of course that's going to happen, right? When you rip God, you know, any reference to God out of, you know, education, uh, and, you know, you you denigrate God, you you use the media to... uh, Make Jesus a curse word, and somebody who talks about Jesus is a Jesus freak. And you can talk about Buddha. You can talk about New Age stuff. You could even talk about the Quran, and that's cool still. There's movies about the Quran and, and Islam, and it's not—they're not made to look bad. But the crazy thing is, if Muslims were if Sharia law was important in, in Hollywood, those guys would all lose their heads that are making those movies. Isn't that crazy? But it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit at work. That's why it's promoted, because it's antichrist. Islam is, as is much of Hollywood. So, we live in crazy times. The historical atlas of the 20th century, deaths by war, interesting. This, there's been an alarming increase, you guys, of global violence over the last 100 years. Uh, just in the past, you know, previous 500 years combined, There's been more wars and more people killed by far, obviously. An estimated over 200 million people were killed by wars just in the 20th century. That's heavy. Anywhere from about 170 million to 360 million were killed by governments in the 20th century. And I'm taking the most conservative to the more liberal guesstimates. That's why the number is. But whether it's 170 or 360 million killed by dictators in the last century, that's huge, guys. That's huge. And the Wow, man. I mean, I'm, I could go through a bunch of these numbers, which I'm, I'm not going to, but I will talk about, uh, you know, there's terrorism. There's all kinds of things that have happened that we'd never seen to the extent that we're seeing all over the place. 60 million babies killed in our country. That's violence. Innocent babies murdered. 44 million annually around the world babies murdered. Okay. Planned Parenthood, which is a has w- w- started out as a racist organization until this day, is disproportionately located in black neighborhoods, killing little black children. Black baby lives matter, folks. But not to BLM Incorporated, they don't. Okay, I'm sorry, I speak the truth, and I'm not. I don't fear. Okay, because I know God, and I know that I'm, I'm in His hands, and I know I'm commissioned by Him to speak the truth and not fear. Okay. In fact, I am moved in my heart, hopefully you are too, to speak the truth at whatever it costs. We have to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And a lion can swallow my body, but he can't swallow my soul. Amen. Jesus says, Don't fear man to destroy your body, but fear God to destroy your body and your soul in hell. Amen. So we need to speak truth. And by the way, do you think you think Noah had an easy time? He's a picture for us. Okay? He's a preacher of righteousness. And we need to love people enough to speak the truth. And let them know that these are lies that are sending them to hell and they need to be set free through Christ who, who died to set them free, who rose again to conquer death. Amen. And, you know, God condemned the violence. In fact, after the flood in Genesis 9, 6, the Lord says to Noah, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. Now God's the one, there's, there's, the Bible says there's one lawgiver that's able to save and destroy. He's the ultimate judge, amen. So we belong to him. He, if, we, if we're evil, he can wipe us out. But we don't have the uh, right to go up to people and just, you know, I don't like the color of your skin. I don't like the color of your hair. And as Christians, guess what? We recognize that we're all made in the image of God. Red, brown, yellow, black, or white. Amen. And that Jesus died for each and every one of us. Amen. And that we all share the same blood. And that to make differences based on racial appearance is not only unbiblical, it's stupid. Okay. Okay. We need to all love one another and be grateful. In fact, I tell you, I actually revel, I actually rejoice in diversity among racial, because it brings just a beautiful flavor to the kingdom of God. Amen? There's a beauty in this. Now, it's interesting, because in Noah's day, like Lot's day, everything was destroyed, but it says, God did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. One of eight eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing a flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly life. That's 2 Peter 2, verses 5 and 6. And by the way, there's an interesting parallel because he talks about the fallen angels right there too, just like Jude does when he talks about the destruction of Noah. In 1 Peter 2, and in Jude, there's a parallel between these fallen angelic beings. So he talks about how he cast these, these angels down to Tartarus, using the Greek word that was prevalent in those days where angels were kept. Verse 6. Verse 6. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Wow. He was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. I think the King James, has, we using the King James, he regretted that he'd made man on earth. And one of the questions that I got this week that'll be on next week's podcast, as so we just did the shows Thursday, one of the four shows had to do with, uh, Chad said, hey, here, someone has a question for you regarding how is it that God, you know, could be perfect but regret having made mankind, you know? And uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that I'll spend a few minutes on that because I spent a whole half hour showing that. So I encourage you to listen to that show because it's actually a a beautiful scriptural answer because the scripture is beautiful. And uh, when the scriptures say that God regretted having made man, it doesn't mean he regretted him in the sense, he regretted it in the sense that he wished he had never done it. And he had afterthoughts. Oh man, I blew it. Oops. I can't go back now. No, that's not what it means at all. That's what Bible critics would like to say and maybe some of those in open theism who want to pretend that God doesn't have full foreknowledge and he's shocked by certain things that turn out certain ways or he's like at least like oh man bummer it turned out that way no that's not what's going on there at all but when you read the actual text I mean we have to read the text verse 5 yeah the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart what's going on there though we do have to understand what's happening here is let me give you some examples. You could be grieved in your heart that something's happened and not disapprove of making the decision, especially when you knew it was going to happen. Give you an example. There's a text, and it's one of the texts that's used to say, look, God regrets certain things that he did, the skeptic will say. And there's a place where it says that God regretted having made King Saul king. Remember that? It says he regretted it. And people say, oh, see, he wished he had a do-over, man. He wished he didn't do that. They caught him by surprise that is so ridiculous you know why first of all God told them ahead of time that this is not this is not a good idea and they wanted the king give us a king we want a king like the other countries have kings give us a king throw temper tantrum he goes okay I'll give you a king he knew what was going to happen amen and then the king becomes wicked and he regretted not because he made a mistake but because his people had to learn the hard way do you understand and you know why we know this is true? Because a little bit later it says, God is not a man who should lie or regret. Just keep reading the text. Same Hebrew word, by the way. What's going on there? Well, there's two, there's two different types of regret in this context. There's regret of being like, Ah, oh, it hurts, man, that my people had to go through this. You know, and I had to make, th- but this was part of the process. But I did this because in my sovereign choice, I knew that it would teach them a lesson. But, I don't, but, there's, but God is not a man that he should regret. And the, that word can be translated repent as well. He's not repenting saying, man, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I had a do-over. No, he's just having grief that his people make evil choices because they don't choose to fear the Lord, it says, and they choose evil because he's given us free choice. And it hurts his heart. But he still does it. Well, why do he still do it? Because guess what? If they're not going to trust me in this and just let me be their king, which is the context, when he, didn't, he doesn't want to give them a king, I'll give them a human king and let them see what it's like. Cursed is the one who puts his trust in man. You with me? And then when it turns out that way and everything goes haywire, he goes, okay, now I'll install a king after my own heart. So will see more of what I'm like. But not even, he's going to be far from perfect, but he's, he'll, he'll, he'll get, a, they'll get a better example. But ultimately, they'll really appreciate when who, when what happens? They see the king of kings and the Lord of lords and he reigns in pure justice, amen? Even though at first they reject him, Okay. Because guess what? They don't want God to rule over them again. Woo, interesting. But eventually, that remnant who gets it and says, you know what? We want the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We we'll really appreciate it. So, he has a plan. So, in his whole plan, he does, there's no changing. You no, know, this is part of the plan. It's a perfect plan because guess what? I'm working with herding cats, you know? I'm working with humans that have free choices. I'm, and, and I've got to teach them, you know. And he does. Well, guess what? The same kind of things happen here in Genesis chapter 6. It's pretty powerful. He's grieved. He knew that man would become wicked, right? We, need, we know that from the get-go. He talks about how the serpent would, you know, bruise the heel of his son. And his son was already coming in Genesis 3. We've done, I can't tell you, I don't know how many messages now, on typology, and we use typology pictures like Noah being a picture of Jesus, the ark being a picture of Jesus. We've been on Typology Tuesdays for over a year. We don't do it every Tuesday, but a lot of Tuesdays. And we're still in Genesis chapter 1. And we're showing how it's pictures of the gospel in Genesis 1. This didn't catch God by surprise. It was part of his plan. Now he's at, in his foreknowledge, he knows what's going to happen. Man's going to blow it. And it's grieved that he made man. But guess what? It didn't mean he wished he didn't do it. Ultimately, he says, no, but I have a plan. That's what's going on there. In fact, it's interesting because... When I was doing a message not too long ago on repentance, I showed how we sent Josiah on a mission trip and they didn't like the message of repentance. And it was like, whoa, what happened? But guess what? We sent him, and this was Josiah, and it was like we were having a sense of regret. We sent him on a mission trip because Josiah's like, Dad, Mom... I want you guys to just you know, send me on a mission trip wherever you want to send me, with whatever group you want to send me. Just pray about it. I'm going to trust that God's going to do something and just send me out wherever. But I want to just go far away and meet brand new people and share the gospel all over the place. I love that about my son. you know. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do that. But man, you gave a short notice. You want to do this when? She's like, right around the corner. Before the summer ends. So we're praying. We're talking about it. I'm like, okay, you know, let's seek the Lord and so forth. And we looked at different ministry, China missions, things like that. We ended up sending him on a mission field, on the mission field of the Philippines. And, man, he had the, I mean, it was arduous. He had to take a Jeep through a jungle. And then after the jungle trip, okay, now we're at the end of the jungle. Now you've got to get on a motorcycle because these roads, Jeep can't handle. Them. I was on a motorcycle for a long time. Okay, now we've got water. So now you've got to get on a boat. You go on the boat. Now you have a mountain. Now you've got to climb the mountain to a plateau. He preach to these kids in the school and they were seeing thousands of people come to Christ and that was the easy part of the trip for him the hard part was when he's sharing the gospel and he's telling them you know Jesus said unless you repent you'll all likewise perish you need to get right with God he's showing their need to turn to Jesus and then he gets grilled in front of the whole group by a leader and taken aside also by the main leader saying we don't believe in repentance we believe that That's if you really want to go further in Christianity, be a disciple. But when it comes to salvation, you don't need to turn from your sin. You don't need to repent. And he's texting me, Dad. You won't believe what's going on here, Dad. I'm taking the passage in the scripture, and he won't even answer those scriptures. He'll just go somewhere else and ignore it. And I'm not able to talk to him on the phone. So I'm like grieving on my heart. You know, Lisa and I are talking, and Lisa's in tears. What have we done? Sending him on this trip, regretting it. I had some regret. But guess what? Not enough regret not to be happy with the choice we made. I said, Lisa, this is awesome. She's like, what do you mean it's awesome? He, uh! I'm like, and and uh, she's uh, you know, and she was excited about the mission. She's like, look right here in their statement of faith that says they believe in repentance. Yeah, but that's after you're saved. Sometimes you, it's, it's an option whether you want them to repent or not later on. I'm like, wow, we find that out later. I'm like, wow, man. But I said, Lisa, this is awesome. This is great. What are you talking about? I go, do you realize he's been brought up in our fellowship for so long and he, he witnesses and he sees there are different forms of Christianity that are unbiblical, but he is right in the lion's den and this is such a great learning opportunity for him to see what's out there and it's gonna make him own biblical doctrine and he's gonna dig his feet in and he's gonna become stronger because of it. Okay, I think you're right, (laughs) you know. I'm thinking, I hope I'm right, (laughs) you know. And uh, praise God, man, he came back like, bam, strong. He wants to be a missionary full-time now, you know. And he hates false doctrine. He hates lies because he sees what they do. Oh, by the way, he went back there and preached because guess what he did? Oh, he didn't leave out repentance. He just would go to scripture and quote the scripture because he said the translator has to quote the scripture. And then the translator, if you, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Translator would be like, Spanish, Philippines, you know, quote him. And he was never checked on it. after that Because he just, you know, well, they can't say, how dare you use those scriptures? Now they're in a different fight, you know. So he got around it, praise God, and he saw a lot of people. He said the thousands they saw come to Christ. Just from him witnessing, he saw, and who knows how many were real, but guess what, they were hearing the, the message from him. They weren't hearing, because he, the, the translator was telling them, not the translator, the the leader, was saying, and every time you lead these kids to Christ, tell them it doesn't matter what they do now after they've been saved, they're saved no matter what. That's a lie. And it's like, whoa, do what thou wilt in the church, you know? And Josiah was horrified. So, uh, I'm saying you can have a sense of regret, but not where you change your mind. Now, us humans, we've all had sense of regrets. We're like, ah, we blew it. That was a bad choice. Myself, all of us included, amen? We've all made those kinds of mistakes. But God never makes any mistake, amen? He never says, oops, I blew it. But guess what? It really pained his heart that we would rebel against Him, humanity and he'd w- wipe us out. But guess what? This was his plan from the beginning. How do we know that? Because over and over again, not from just the early chapters of Genesis, but listen to 2 Peter or 2 Timothy nine. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because That was his plan from before the beginning of time. Catch that? To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. God's plan before we were created was to save us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He knew we would fall into sin. Amen. That was his plan since the beginning of time. Acts 2.23. This Jesus, Peter says, was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. You guys are wicked. You guys did it with lawless hands. But it was God's definite plan from the beginning. 1 Peter 3, 18-20. Listen. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from your, the empty way of life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver. Which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Listen to this. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. So God always knew he was going to send his son. We were going to fall. He was going to wipe us out, those who didn't repent. But he's also going to send his son that whoever would believe would be saved. Amen. So he didn't grieve in the sense of, oh no, what have I done? No, he made us because he wanted to make people in his image that would have choices to love him or not because he wanted a bride in the end that would love him, a remnant that he would know loved him that had proven loyal to him through keeping the faith to the end and would be his bride that would be redeemed by his son's precious blood so that he could reveal his great love, his great plan, his great power to us who believe and we could have a relationship with him for eternity. Amen. So this is part of the process that we're in. Thank God we can know that he works all things together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And praise God, in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more disease, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more mourning, amen, there'll be no more pain. It's all because of what Jesus has done for us and in us, amen, because of his great plan. I mean, he was given 120 years. And you know what Romans 1 talks about that time period? Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened wow but you know what I love verse 8 Genesis 6 8 but Noah found what favor in the eyes of God Noah found what favor in the eyes of God there's grace there amen and guess what just like all these other things are like the days of Noah guess what else was part of the days of Noah there was grace for people amen it was offered to them not just Noah and his family he was a preacher of righteousness and God was patient but people were given over to such wickedness, they refuse to repent. And that's how it is today. The road is narrow. few of those who go through it, Jesus said. But the way is broad that leads to destruction. But the way is narrow that leads the, the The gate is narrow. Uh, and the road is broad, uh, broad that leads to destruction. So it's absolutely important that we see that there is a door, though. There is an ark today. Amen. In fact, listen to 2 Peter 3. Talk about the end times. Talk about the ark, or Noah's day. And talk about how it relates to God's heart toward the people today. And how we fit into this? Listen to second. You can go there if you want. Second Peter three, thirteen, and following. Know this first of all: that in the last days scoffers will come with their mocking, following their own lust, and saying, "Where's the promise of his coming?" For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, now Peter's saying, till so they're basically believing uniformitarianism that everything just stays the same. And Peter's going to say, no, actually, history shows that there's also catastrophism. That God intervenes because he is a God that is righteous and he deals with human sin. He says, for when they maintain this, that everything just stays the same, uniformitarianism. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that the word of God, uh, that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time, was destroyed, being flooded with water. They're ignorant of the flood. By the way, do you know virtually all the civilizations have a record of a flood of some sort? He goes on to say, the word present heavens and the earth, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire, not for flood, but for fire, kept for the judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, Beloved that with the lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day the lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness but he is patient toward you not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance he's given you and me the great commission to go and reach the lost he's patient with us cuz he doesn't will that any would perish but that all would come to repentance and guess what he's not slow in his bringing his judgment he's just patient and I always say to people, aren't you glad God was patient enough to wait until you got on the boat? Or until you got saved? Amen. Well, why is not they come? I'm, I'm ready. Well, what about your family, friends, relatives that aren't saved yet? You know? Part of you should be like, one more minute, Lord. Wait till I pull this person out of the fire. You know? But then it should be, come, Lord Jesus. That's, the t- that's where we should be. And that's where I'm at. I can't. Thy kingdom come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. But, Lord, let me try to reach a few more people. Amen. That's the heart he wants us to have. That's the heart he wants all of us to have. And it's just, it's just amazing. He, 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 and by the way, a thousand years is like a day. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. What's he saying? Well, it's been 2,000 years since Christ you know, promised he'd come back. Yeah? 1,000 years a day? How long is 1,000 years to God? Two days. It's just two days to God. Because he's eternal. He's from everlasting to everlasting. It's, this is like a blink. You know? And it's not like, oh, so it's like 48 hours to him? No, the point is it doesn't, he's not affected by time. Okay? It's worth our souls for him to wait. He's patient. In fact, he so loved us, he sent his son into the world. And then in verse 10, it says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will all be burned up. Hey, you guys, that's not a thief pre-trib rapture, is it? That's judgment. And that's what the Bible teaches when it talks about thief coming. It talks about sudden destruction. You know, not some secret pre-trib rapture where then there's seven years left. When... The door was shut and the rain had come. It was over. When he delivers uh, uh, Lot and his family from Sodom, the fire came. Okay? And when he comes like a thief at night, there will be a judgment of fire, it says. And verse 11 says, Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens are be- will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen? We're looking for a new heaven new earth where righteousness dwells. Verse, 17, verse 14, therefore, based on the fact that everything's going to be wiped out by fire, everything's going to burn, based on that fact, and the fact that we're looking for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness, not the wicked, the righteous. Therefore, beloved, since we look for these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace spotless and blameless. The only way you can be found in him spotless and blameless is if you've been forgiven by the precious blood of Christ for your sins. Amen? Because if you try to stand with him in your own righteousness before him, you know you'll be doomed, right? Because we, have, we can't say, God, look at my righteousness because we're, we're sinners. And the Bible says all of our righteousness is like what? Filthy rags before God. So we need to make sure that we're trusting in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And we need to follow Noah's example. Listen to 11.7 of Hebrews Hebrews 11:7. 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, he built the ark to save his family. By faith, uh, uh, by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. I love that, man. Noah built an ark for his family. He was concerned about his family. He wanted to make sure he got his family in that ark. Amen. We should care about our families. We should be sharing with them as much as we can. We should be witnessing to them. We should be lights to them. Amen. But at the same time, guess what? They may not all come. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Lot's wife? Jesus said, remember Lot's wife? She turned back. And you know what? That's grieving. When a family member, a child, it's grieving, man. So just go to God in prayer, but recognize that the care and love and hurt that we go through when a family member rejects the Lord is just an inkling of what the Lord feels because we're made in His image and He feels perfect, perfect pain, you know? And he loves them even more than we do. And the love we have is a dim reflection compared to what he has. So you say, Lord, how could this happen? Well, guess what? He's letting you enter into his suffering, what he goes through, because he's grieved when he sees mankind in rebellion to him. And those he wants to be saved, and people reject the precious blood of Christ. Are you with me? So you just got to see the big picture. You know, and I'll tell you what, since we'll end here, Jesus said this in Luke 17. And I think of this passage when I think of the flood. And when I was putting this mess together, I go, you know what? I think I'm going to close with Luke 17 because this passage is so powerful to me when I think of the flood and them mocking because it says the scoffers, that's like the days of Noah, mocking Noah. And then all of a sudden he's in the ark and they're mocking him when he's getting in. And, what he, and then all of a sudden the rain starts falling. And all of a sudden the water is, is like, whoa, it's happening. This is what he was talking about. Nah, this is just some weird phenomenon. Oh, now it's ankle deep. Now it's up to our knees. It's not stopping. It's up to our waist. What, are, what do you think some of those people are probably doing? We don't know for sure, but I think a lot of them are like, let us in, though. Let us in, man. We're sorry, dude. And The door's shut. Luke 17, 24 and 25 says, strive. Jesus said, strive. Agonizami in the Greek. That's where we get the word agonize from. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter, and it will not, it will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer and say to you, I do not wor- know where you're from. Brothers and sisters, it was a time when, hey, it's too late. That door's shut, man. And the water rose. And now they're trying to stay alive. And they were wiped out. Next time it's not water, it's fire. That's what it says in 2 Peter 3. It won't be why water. He gave the rainbow to say, I'm not going to do it with water again, but guess what? People are going to be wicked again. And that was a picture of the end times and next time we will be judgment with fire. You can escape the fire now. We as believers need to be like Noah and we're told in the book of Jude to snatch people out of the fire and show them mercy. So we need to care for the lost and reach them because we were once lost. Amen? We need to love them and recognize that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. We're saved by grace through faith. Amen. Not because we're righteous. We need to recognize that we not, shouldn't look at people and say, oh, you know, they're wicked, man. I, I don't want to talk to them. No, we should say, man, I want to see that person saved. Thank God somebody wanted to witness to me. Amen. And share the gospel of the lost and love them and pray that we'd love the lost more. Amen. People caught up in certain sins, recognize they're being deluded by principalities and powers. Amen. They need Jesus and love people. And just as there's only one way into the ark, Recognize there's only one way to be saved. There's one door in the ark. Jesus said, I am the door. He that tries to go another way is a thief and robber. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Why only through him? Because only Jesus paid for our sins. Amen? Amen? Only Jesus paid the price. Otherwise, we're still in our sins. We reject his sacrifice and what he's done for us. Amen? So I want to encourage you today, if you haven't embraced the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yet, he's the only Savior. He's the only one. He's God who became a man and died in your place for your sins. And he commands us to put our trust in him. And he commands us to metanoia. That means to have a change of heart, a change of mind, change of direction, to change our hearts and turn away from a, 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 a life of just rebellion to him and turn to him in faith. And if you put your faith in him and you trust him, the Bible says you'll be saved. By grace are we saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's all his doing. But you must turn and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Amen? And begin to follow Christ. Amen. So make sure that you've done that. If you're listening and somebody gave this to you, it's because they love you. And they want you in the kingdom, man. This is the word of God. We know that Jesus rose from the dead because there's hundreds, over 500 eyewitnesses. Testimonies. And that's powerful when you have eyewitness testimony. In fact, the eyewitness testimonials of the resurrected Christ make up the bulk of the New Testament letters that we read about. These were mostly written by the apostles that had seen the resurrected Christ and proclaimed him even to the point of being martyred for their faith. Like Paul, who wrote like 13 or 14, depending on whether you count Hebrew, Hebrews or not, of the, that's half the New Testament letters. That's pretty amazing. Follow Jesus. Turn to him now. Now is the day of salvation. There will be a time when it's too late. Amen. Or you might say, oh, well, I see things get worse. Then I'll turn. No, don't do that, man. Because the Bible says if you keep rejecting, your heart will be given over to hardness of heart. And you'll be given over to a strong delusion because all those who receive not the love of the truth are given a strong delusion to believe a lie and all of a sudden you'll be believing some stupid thing that doesn't even make sense and you'll be given over to a lie and then you'll be separated from God for eternity do not let that happen turn to Jesus now before it's too late amen all right praise God let's everybody please stand